0: All right, good morning, lovely, all right, I, I am sorry to be that guy that interrupts your lovely conversations, but we do need to move on. All right, I got some, I got some exciting and important news for you guys, all right, Got some really exciting news, important news as well. So um, most of you know my family and I, we're not from here, um, obviously. Um, We're from the UK, and obviously to be in America and to be able to um, do what I'm doing in America, you need something called a visa. (laughs) A visa, if you've ever traveled um, and stayed in another country, you know this whole visa thing. And so for the last six years... Um, For the last six years, my family and I have been trying to get permanent residency here. And um, it's cost a lot of money, a lot of money, a ton of money. And it's also um, brought so much anxiety um, into our lives. And I am happy to tell you guys that last week we got an email from our attorney, And she said, our green card has been approved. It really has. uh, Yes, yes. It it hasn't sunk in yet. I still live with this overwhelming anxiety. um, And I'm still getting used to it. But God, um, you know, we sung earlier about witnessing God's faithfulness. Um, And he has been faithful. It's been so challenging um, for Eleanor and I. Most of you know our story and um, it's been so challenging, but we are incredibly thankful um, that God has been faithful and he has provided for us in this way. Um, We have one more step, it's paperwork, we have to adjust status and that, and so just pray that it all goes smoothly, but the big step of getting an approved visa, and the visa (laughs) that um, I ended up getting approved for is the visa, the green card for extraordinary abilities. Whatever. (laughs) I know. It was a category. I was like, for real? And the attorney was like, of course. Like, you know, you've done some good stuff. Um, I was like, I don't think so. So it was a miracle. Anyway, um, but God has been amazing. And throughout this whole journey, um, Eleanor and I, and our church in particular, um, have been incredibly Blessed to have so many people who have walked with us. Um, The Carlisles, Mike and Judy Carlisle being one of them, um, and so many people that have specifically walked with us. And one of them is visiting us as well this Sunday. Um, He goes by the name of Tim Chaddick. Um, I love Tim a lot, and trust me, um, Dan, Jeremy, and I they would tell you that he's been a source of wisdom um, throughout these years. Um, He's an expert in so much. He knows everything about everyone and everything. So... um, Um, And he's been a source of encouragement and strength and a mentor of mine personally and our church. Um, And he's here this weekend, and it just all worked out that um, he could preach for us this morning. Um, And so I'm going to invite up Tim (laughs) Chaddick. Have a look at this. Have a look at that shirt. Can you see that shirt? I can see it, uh, sir. No spoilers. Tottenham Hotspur. You'll <laughs> um, explain why.
1: <laughs> There's a. We may be friends in Christ, but we're divided in our fan loyalties of English football. But more on that after, after lunch. Um, as Obed mentioned, uh, we've been friends now for 12 plus years. I was pastoring. A church that we planted in Los Angeles called Reality LA. We were there for 10 years. And when I first met Obed and Elena, uh, he was coming out of, or still in seminary, preparing to come out of seminary. And I was like, man, we've got to hire this, this guy. And by the grace of God, we eventually were able to bring him on staff with us. So we got to work together. And then we moved to London. For five years. So it was this funny like switching places situation. You guys ended up in San Diego. We ended up in London, and we planted a church there called Reality Church London, and we moved back to California uh, just about three years ago. We're up in Ventura now, but through all those ups and downs and praying for the visa situation and all that, and Obed and Elena rooting for us and praying for us, uh, we've just been dear friends, and I've been privileged to see King's Cross Church and your journey as well. So it's a delight to be here today. And we're here to listen to the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Galatians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can just Google Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 to 24. And as you're finding that, why don't we all stand together? We stand to hear the reading of God's word. If you can't find it, just listen to me read this passage, and then I'll pray once more. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 to 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown to the person, to the churches of Judea who were in Christ. They only were hearing it and said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is God's word. Let me pray for us together. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, may you open our hearts. May all of us understand what it means to be called by you. For those for whom this is brand new, maybe they've never been to church before, or for those who are very familiar with these words, I pray that we would all understand, receive, believe And be changed. Spirit of God, would you speak to us all? We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Where is it that you look for guidance in your life? How is it that you make decisions about where you're going to live, where you're going to to work, the friendships that you form, perhaps the the spouse that you may marry? What carries the most authority in your decision-making? I ask that because today we're discussing this topic of calling which is a word that is increasingly used everywhere I go within the culture. Why? Because most people want to have a sense that they are living for a purpose bigger than themselves. They want to know that when they go to work, that there's a reason beyond just receiving the paycheck, that the place they live in is more than just a matter of circumstances that led there. And so often you will hear the word, call. I just felt called to it. But how do you define a call? And how do you discover a call? For some of you, it might be your, your parents. Maybe their words in your life carry the most weight and have very much shaped the direction of your life. For others, it might be your friends or your social circles maybe it is your circumstance you just kind of roll the dice and you know just kind of go where the numbers lead you or if you're from California especially northern California like me it's the universe I followed the energy I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area so when people say what did people believe up there I say oh science and crystals like that's that's the bay I don't know how it is down here in San Diego but the Christian view is completely different The Christian life is about being fully alive in a relationship with God. And one of the powerful ways in which we experience that relationship is through his guidance. And this is beautifully described with the word in our text today, called by God. But it's important for us to understand what the call of God is. Let me just use a quick illustration and then we'll go through this text. The call of God is not like a taxi it's more like a train if you've lived in any city that's largely dependent on public transportation then you know exactly what i mean Uh, as i mentioned my family and i we lived in london for five years didn't have a car we lived in central london and so you take a cab or you take a train here's the difference When you take a cab, you hail the cab, you pay for the cab, you tell the cab where you want to go, and you might even suggest a route and debate with the cab driver about whether or not that is the most expedient route to get to your destination. Not so with a train. The train is going where the train has been determined. And when you get on that train, it doesn't matter what you think the better route would be. It doesn't matter if you change your mind about the destination. When you're on that train, it takes you where the train was destined to go. Many people want to view calling like a taxi. God, here's what I would like you to do with my life. Here's the things that I want to do. I'll spend a a few years in San Diego and then I'll go abroad for just five years, Lord. And and then after that, I want to come back and, you know, retire in sunny Southern California. Here's a tip wink. God, it'd be great if you could do that. But the call of God is not like a taxi, it is like a train. He's taking you where He has determined. So let us ask, how do we define a call? How do we discover it in the biblical sense? And we come to Galatians. By way of background, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, as Obed has spoken of over the last few weeks, to the Galatian church, a congregation 2,000 years ago, who was in great danger of reverting back to man-made religion. And so Paul is writing this letter as a warning that man-made religion is not good, u- good news. It is not gospel. The word gospel simply means good news. There's only one gospel, one message of good news by which all human opinions are tested, and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, it's on the screen, "'For I would have you know, brothers,' that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. As I'm sure you've heard it said if you've been in the church for a while, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. Good advice is about what you should do. News is about what's already been done. The gospel's not good advice. Jesus Christ didn't show up 2,000 years ago and say, hey, guys, I'm the Son of God. If you do these 10 things, and if you do them really well, then you can be saved. That's advice. We're used to advice. Most religion is all about advice. If you just do these 10 things, you can be saved. But the gospel, as we've seen, is not good advice. It's good news. That God has acted in history and done for you what you could never do for yourself. Jesus Christ lived on your behalf. Died on a cross for all your sins. Rose again on the third day for salvation. You simply need to believe. And Paul was preaching that message. And the origin of this message is not from man. It is from God. And that leads to the topic of calling. Why was Paul authorized to preach this message and to lead in the church? We've heard in this letter what the origin of the message is. He's made that clear. But what's the origin of Paul's call himself? And what a great topic for us, because while the call of God on Paul's life was unique, he was an apostle. The underlying principles can apply to us all and shape our understanding of calling. Now, some of you who are newer to the church, you read this passage, you're like, what does this have to do with me? More than you think. More than you think. So, what does it mean to be called? First, according to the Bible, specifically Galatians chapter 1, calling is a conversion to God. In the same way that the origin of the gospel is from God, the origin of his call is also from God, Paul says. And the same is true for every one of us. Calling begins with God. It's not a taxi, it's like a train. And God begins with conversion. So I want you to notice, when Paul begins to talk about calling in his life, where does he start? What does he emphasize? Look at verse 12 through 14. For I did not receive the gospel from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. What is Paul doing? He's retelling his story. He's telling how his life was changed. We call it in church a testimony. Now, why does Paul start here with his previous life? Well to emphasize and underline the fact that calling comes from God. And he reminds his listeners and he reminds us today that he was originally opposed to God. Though he was very religious, he was actually working on his own self-salvation project, which is idolatry. He was putting his own effort in the place of God trying to do what only God can do. And friends, this is where the story starts for all of us. The Bible clearly says that we are, every one of us, by nature, fallen in this world. We are in sin. God beautifully created us all, and yet we've all turned from him by nature and by choice, and we are therefore broken. And we are opposed to God because we put ourselves first. We trust in creation rather than the creator. That is the essence of sin. And its consequence is eternal separation from God. Now, why is this important in the topic of calling? Because listen, your greatest need right now, on Sunday morning, September 24th, your greatest need is not to know what job you should take or if you should get a different job. Your greatest need is not to know which city you should live in or if you should buy here or rent there. Your greatest need is not to know who you should marry or who you should become friends with. Your greatest need is to be rescued from sin. That's why Paul starts where he does, and that is what the gospel is all about, rescuing sinners, even religious sinners, and transforming them from the inside out, and so when Paul speaks of call, he starts with conversion. Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, and the beginning of verse 16, but... When he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. When Paul speaks about the turning point in his life, it was not about what he did for God, it's about what God did for him, called by grace. And I love that word, call. It's like a, a summons. Which I know for me is what I experienced when I became a Christian as a young adult. I was convicted of my sin, convinced that only Jesus could save me. And when I put my trust in Jesus, it was like answering a call. Like a call went out, Tim Chaddick, you need to believe. And I'm like, yes, Lord. It was a call, and the same call goes out to every one of you, and I love this little detail. Paul says, who had set me apart before I was born. Listen, God's pursuit of you began before you were even aware of anything in this life, even when you were walking away from him. That's how great the love of God is. And that's why when Paul describes the call, it is called by grace. Notice Paul doesn't say, God called me because I was so good. See, that's, this might seem redundant to some of you, but it's so important to say in church because many people who come into to my church, and maybe they haven't been for a while or never been at all, they come in with this automatic assumption that Christianity is all about doing a bunch of good things and then God will accept you. As if God is looking down from heaven and saying, well, 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 look who actually came to church even though the sun is shining and there's a lot of pickleball to be played today, but you came and the angels are like, wow, what a sacrifice. You know, he's like, I guess you can come in. You're so good. I just can't not let you in. Look at your talents. You got to be in my kingdom. That's not how it goes. (laughs) It's not a call by merit. It's a call by grace. And when Paul received that call, he realized it was a culmination of God's pursuit of him. Now, some of you might be saying, great. But what does that have to do about my calling in work? What does that have to do about my calling in the church? Listen, according to the Bible, the first and most important thing that you need to know about calling is that it begins with conversion. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ and you are, as the Bible describes, born again, the most important part of your calling is already settled. Why do I mention this? Because so many people, even within the church, and even in my own life at times, were so obsessed with the things that they want to do rather than focus on what God has already done for them. Or let me put it another way. It's easy, even in the church, to prioritize our specific calling, or if I can call it a lowercase c, calling, and we forget our great calling, uppercase C, which is a call to God himself. Where's the next job? Like, well, what about this, Lord? So many times in my life, I have put that first. Even about church stuff, like, God, are you calling us to move to Los Angeles? God, are you calling us to move to London? God, are you calling us back to California? Those things are all important. Don't misunderstand me. But those things aren't the most important part of my call. The most important part of my call is knowing that I'm saved by grace and I belong to God. So that, friends, even if some of your plans and your hopes and your dreams about your gifts and your talents and your abilities, if they go somewhat unfulfilled in this life according to your own expectation, you're okay because you're saved by grace and you're heading to glory. It's okay. I've been in ministry now for 20-something years. I, I don't even know. Middle-aged thing. <laughs> I'm like, how long? I don't even know. And there's been a lot of disappointments along the way. But it's in those moments where I need to remember that the most important part of my call has already been settled the moment I put my faith in Jesus Christ. So first, and by far, the most important question for each one of you is have you responded to God's call to conversion? Have you put your trust in Jesus? If not, I call you to do so today. For Jesus himself said, what will it profit a person if they gain the world but lose their soul?" It doesn't matter how much success you have in this life, how many adventures you go on, how much money you save. It matters nothing on the day that you breathe your last. The most important part of this call is to respond to the call to put your faith in Jesus Christ and know that that is settled. I invite you to do that today. And for those who have You need to remember the joy of your salvation. Especially if you're facing setbacks and disappointments in life. What a powerful reminder. I know for me and all the ups and downs of work and family and ministry. My wife and I were talking on the way down. Like a lot of things just haven't gone as we thought that they would. And those things are real. And we can deal with them and wrestle with them. But the most important reason I have to celebrate is that Jesus has saved me by grace. Paul makes it very clear that call begins with conversion. But having said that, the way that we walk with God in this life by doing particular things he calls us to do is also important. So the second point about calling is that calling is a conviction for ministry. So number one, calling is a conversion to God. And that's by far the most important thing you need to know. But as a result of that, calling is then a conviction for ministry or service. So, having told us of his origin story and the most important part, which is his conversion, he then connects this to his responsibility. So first, there's the message. But following that, there's his mission. Look again at verse 17, but we'll take it to verse uh, 15, and then we'll take it to verse 17 but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, let me unpack a few things here and clarify why it is that Paul was speaking so strongly about not consulting with other people about his call. Because in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you that it is important that other people confirm confirm your call. Uh, But so is Paul in just a moment. But here, listen, his purpose is to show that his calling did not come from man. It's not of human origin. His conviction about The gospel was not just a line that he heard or he was mimicking, like, my parents went to church, or like, I know a friend who goes to church, so you're just kind of repeating it. First, when he was converted, he was in Arabia, perhaps for three years. And by the way, don't miss this. Before we know Paul the Apostle, who wrote a third of the New Testament, no big deal, Put that on your resume. (laughs) He was in the desert for three years. It was a season of obscurity, a season of hiddenness. When it comes to your specific callings, there are seasons where you may not be doing much, but learning. And if you're like me, you hate them. (laughs) I'm a doer. I'm an activator. I want to do stuff. How many times has God put me in seasons where I'm like in the desert of Arabia? Like, what am I doing? I want to do the stuff. Friends, if you're like me, do not despise those days. Maybe you're in a season right now where it's just not clear the specific things that God wants you to do and you're struggling with that. Do not be discouraged. It is so vital that you learn all that God wants to teach you and that you are being shaped by Christ in those seasons. It is so important because before you ever fulfill your calling in the spotlight, your character is being shaped out of the spotlight. As a famous Bible commentary, Warren Wearsby once said, character is what you are in the dark. It's not how you perform It's the way you actually live your life. And notice Paul uses that phrase, Christ was formed in me. That's what's happening in those seasons of obscurity. Because according to God, your character is more important than your gifting. Which is hard to imagine, especially in a country like the United States where we're all about ability and talent. We prize it so much and we overlook character but not in the economy of God. Paul says, God was pleased to reveal his son in me, which is indeed a reference to his life being shaped by Jesus. Don't despise the hidden years. But then he did eventually go to Jerusalem. And again, to emphasize that his call was not a product of human opinion, but of divine origin, he fills us in on the backstory. But I want you to note in verse 16, he talks about his specific calling. There's his conversion. And then in verse 16, he says, to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. This short little line reveals two aspects of lowercase c calling, which is gifting. He was called to preach. And then there were people. There was a specific context that he was called to. It was the Gentiles. Paul's conversion to God resulted in a conviction for ministry. And the same is true for every single one of you. If you've put your faith in Christ, you are then, as a result, called to ministry. No, you are not an apostle. (laughs) so don't come up to Obed and afterwards be like, I'm an apostle too. (laughs) Paul is unique, as I stated earlier. But we are told time and time again in scripture that every single believer is called to serve in the church and to reach those who do not yet know Jesus. Everyone, if you have a pulse this morning, you're alive, and you put your faith in Christ, you're called to ministry. Consider this your your commissioning service, you are called to ministry. You're called to Christian service. That is to say, God has uniquely gifted every single one of you to serve the church and to reach those who do not yet know Jesus. Now, there are all kinds of lists in Scripture about these gifts. There's the gift of hospitality, leadership, generosity, mercy, teaching, administrative gifts, and so on. And then there's the specific people that God calls you to. So let's get practical just for a few moments. How do you know that you're called to a specific ministry? Let me just give you a helpful tool. It's like a three-legged stool. Just three words. You can just write them down. Think about it later. Affinity, ability, opportunity. How do I know if I'm called to a specific ministry? Lowercase c. Affinity, ability, opportunity. First of all, affinity. Do you have a holy passion to meet a need? Has God given you a desire? For me, after I became a Christian, I ended up going down to Bible school in. Southern California, where I met uh, this amazing girl who is now my my wife, and she asked me like, hey, you know, what do you think you'd like to do? Do you think you'd ever want to be a pastor? I was like, never. Never. But as I was going through Bible school and Things began to stir in my heart like this desire began to grow. And someone gave me a book on preaching. It was written by a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a preacher from yesteryear in Westminster in, in London. And I opened the book and I read this chapter on the call to preaching. And he quoted the book of Romans where Paul said, how can they hear without a preacher? And I was like, oh my goodness, I think God's calling me to preach. Oh no. But it was this desire that began to grow in me. Likewise, when I met Oben and Elena, I'll never forget, we were in the courtyard of Reality LA in the middle of Hollywood, the church I was pastoring. I meet Oben and Elena, and he's going to seminary at the time. I think you were finishing seminary. He's like, I feel called to preach. I have this desire to preach. We have the desire to start a church. See, oftentimes, one of the ways in which God Reveals a lowercase c calling is affinity, a desire. What is the desire that God's given you? What's that holy passion that God's been burdening your heart with? But you need the other two legs for a stool to stand up. You're welcome. That's like physics, right? Ability. Do you have the gift? There's a lot of people who say, Tim, I want to teach. I'm like, can you teach? No. I'm like, well, maybe... Try something else. (laughs) Do you have the gifting? Can you actually do the things God is compelling you to do? So when I met Obed, like I heard him speak and and he was getting his training, and I was like, man, yes, it needs to be developed, but he's got the gift. And I remember saying to our staff at the time, we need to hire this guy. And I'm glad we did. (laughs) We need to hire this guy. He's he's got the desire and he's got the gift. People started seeing in my own life that I had that gift, but that leads to the third leg. You need all three legs. Affinity, has God given me the desire or the burden? Ability, has God given me the gift? But third, opportunity is a door opening for me to use this gift. If you look at the life of Paul, he often discerned open doors as a part of his calling. So the Gentiles, a burden that God had given him, his ability to preach, but then God had to open the doors for him to go to the Gentiles to preach. That's part of how, if you read the book of Acts, which records for us the earliest history of the church, that's how Paul often discerned a call, lowercase c. After 10 years of pastoring in L.A., my wife and I sensed a strong burden to sell everything we have and leave Los Angeles for London to go and start a church the affinity was there, the ability was there, but was there the opportunity? And it was as we were praying about this that one of my friends, who was a vicar in London, called me up and said, Tim, if you guys feel called to come plant in London, my church will sponsor your visa. I was like, oh my goodness, I think a door is opening. When Obed and Elena were telling us their desire to plant in San Diego, Part of how they were discerning that call, the desires there, the giftings there, but can we stay there? Can we get a visa there and we in the early days at my Previous church, we were able to get him a visa for a while, and in the early days of King's Cross, we had these temporary visas. But friends, do you see what's happened this past week? In the kindness and sovereignty of God, he's provided a green card for Oban and Elena, which we would discern as like a part of, man, indeed, God has proven this, not only with the affinity and the ability, but the opportunity to stay here long term. That's amazing. That's amazing. This miraculous arrangement of circumstances that God has used in their lives is fantastic. So what desire has God put on your heart? What abilities? Are you like Obed, extraordinary abilities? <laughs> what abilities do you have? And what are the opportunities? Listen, you as Kings Cross Church are in a new season. You, you have this, this building that, that God has provided for you. Some of you are a new Let me say this. A time of transition is a great opportunity for you to just serve and to get involved. Every one of you, if you're a believer in Christ, is called to ministry. Just get stuck in and start serving. You may end up getting more clarity on what your gifts are a little bit later on, but just start. As it's once been said, God steers moving ships some of us were like in the harbor, like you know, just the rope tied, we're like, I'm not going anywhere. Until I get a prophetic word when the heavens open and tell me you must serve in kids ministry. Just untie the rope, push out onto the water, and when they announce that kids workers are needed, just say yes. Consider this a call. <laughs> if you're not yet serving in King's Cross Church, It shouldn't be a matter of if, but where. God has gifted you, just start. Maybe in a year or two you're like, okay, that's not the best use of my primary gifts, no problem, God steers moving ships. But by all means, serve, use your gift. It is vital for you to follow that calling. It's a sense of stewardship and responsibility. I love in one of Paul's other letters to another church called the Colossians, at the very end of his closing remarks, he calls out this one guy, he's got a great name, Archippus. And imagine this letter being read and he's talking about all this doctrine and then he gets to the end and he calls out this guy by name. We know nothing else about this guy but at the very end of the letter, imagine your name is being called out in church. He says, tell Archippus, See to it that you must complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. And then he says, greet all the brothers and sisters, amen. And then it ends. It's like, whoa. Can you imagine cheapest? He's just there. He's like, yeah, it's a good Sunday. I'm glad I came. And the guy's reading Paul's letter. He's like, cheapest? are you here? And he's like, see to it that you fulfill your ministry. We don't know what his ministry was. We just know that the Holy Spirit meant for him to hear that charge. And the same is true for us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given a ministry, consider yourself charged to fulfill it. Fulfill your ministry at King's Cross Church. Maybe you're serving in a particular area and you're going to serve in another in a year or so. No problem. But be sure that you fulfill that ministry. Don't just peace out and just be, I don't really like it, I'm out. Like, fulfill that ministry before you transition to the next. It is vital that we do. But lastly, this is not something that we discern in isolation. And that's the last thing about calling. I want to note from Galatians 1 is that it is confirmed in community. So calling is a conversion to God, number one. It is a conviction for ministry. But third, there's a confirmation In community. Though unlike the authority of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the affirmation and confirmation of community is nonetheless important. So after Paul goes to great lengths in stating that he did not receive his gospel from man, he wasn't just called by man or the apostles, it was nonetheless important for him to be connected with and commissioned by his fellow workers, which he eventually did. Verse 18 to 24, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea who were in Christ. They only were hearing it and said, notice they're affirming what God's done in Paul's life, he who used to persecute the church is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. There was a visible witness that the church testified to about Paul's life. And so in Galatians, it is vital that he maintains his alibi that the gospel did not come from man. It was still important for him to connect with Peter, which he did and would continue to do so. And also the testimony in verse 23 of his changed life. They glorify God because of it. So Paul includes his testimony. And he includes the people acknowledging the power of his testimony. Why? Because though not authoritative, the call does not come from man. It is nonetheless confirmed in community. This is a pattern we see throughout scripture. People don't call us into ministry. God does. But people can confirm that call by affirming that we have that gift. And that we will be supported by and even commissioned to do it. Like those years ago, seeing Obed and Ellen, I'm like, man, we've got to get him on staff in the church, and we've gone through all these ups and downs, but I just felt, as a fellow brother in Christ, I'm like, I, I see Obed's calling. I want to support him in that. I want to support him. I affirm that calling in his life. When I would hear his preaching, I'm like, yes, I see that gifting in your life, and that's the kind of affirmation that needs to happen within the church. If we look a little bit later at Paul's timeline, we notice how he was sent by the church into his ministry. Look at the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 2 to 4. While they were all worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, that was Paul's former name, for the work to which I have called them, the ministry. So after they fasted and prayed, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went off to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. See, in Acts, this call on Saul was confirmed in community. So notice, on the one hand, the text says that the Spirit sent them out. Do you see that? But on the other hand, it says the church sent them out. Which highlights the role of community. So, unlike the authority of Scripture, the counsel and confirmation or affirmation of other believers is nonetheless important. Look, some of people's opinions are not always going to be in line with the Word of of God, but it's often how God works within community to bring clarity. I've had people that come to me say, like, hey, I want to be a stand-up comic. I'm like, really? I've never laughed in your presence in like 10 years that I've known you. Maybe maybe that's not your gift. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. But in many other cases, that's part of how we function as a church. Affirming one another's gifts. And there's two errors. One of us, or one of our errors is to be like institutional and mechanical. We just kind of make all our plans and we deliver them to God in pen. But the other tendency is to just ignore what God is doing in our lives. The gifts that he's given to us and the role of community. So who sent Saul after he was called to preach? Was it the Holy Spirit or was it the church? John Stott, a great Bible commentator, puts it like this. Would it not be true to say both that the Spirit sent them out by instructing the church to do so and that the church sent them out having been directed by the Spirit to do so? Paul goes to great lengths saying, my call did not come from human opinion. But what God did in Paul's life was confirmed in community. So, friends, as we consider the call of God, what is He compelling you to do? Where is it that He's given you gifts? And and are we encouraging one another and acknowledging those gifts within this church? These are vital questions for you. And maybe today you need to pray into these specific things. But I end where I began. Though it is important for us to follow our ministry calling as an act of faithfulness to Jesus, ministry itself is never the goal. Knowing Jesus is, and helping others to know Jesus is the goal. There's the story of that preacher I mentioned, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was famous for many years for his teaching across the globe. But later in his life, he was dying of cancer. And he was out of ministry. And one of his friends and former associates visited him in the hospital. And he said, how are you doing? You've been used to preaching several times a week. You've begun all these important Christian ministries. Your influence is extended through your teachings and books and recordings to people on five continents. But now you've been put on the shelf. (laughs) How lame, right? Don't be a friend like that. So I'm not so much asking how you're coping with the disease, but how are you coping being out of ministry? Ouch. But you know what Lord jones said? On his hospital bed, he responded by quoting the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, after Jesus sent out his disciples to preach and to cast out demons, and they came back giving all these reports of all the things that they had done. But Jesus said to them, and this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones quoted on his hospital bed being out of ministry. He quoted Jesus saying, Do not rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Lloyd-Jones says, for me, it was always just about the thrill of being a Christian. That's what it's always been about called by God. Let's pray that our hearts would be thrilled just as Paul was, and then obedient just as he was. Father, I pray first for those who have never received the call to conversion. I pray that right now they would simply say yes to that call, that they would say from their heart, Jesus I believe that I am in sin and I cannot save myself. I put my trust in you, that Jesus, you lived the life I could never live. And you died the death I should have died for my sin on the cross. And you rose again on the third day to give me new life. I put my trust in you. I answer that call today. Father, I pray that men and women would say that to you from their heart. And God, I pray for this church, I pray for all of us, that we would, as a result of that, follow the specific calling you have put on our lives to serve. I pray that we would not shrink back. I pray that none of us would be passengers in the church, but all active participants in the work you are doing. Especially in this season of this particular church. I pray that your people would be all in. So Spirit of God, would you do that? And even as we respond now, would you speak to us? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.